What is going on everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. In this one, it's the Game Week 1 preview, which is a series that I do throughout the season, going through the latest news, information, giving you my thoughts and opinions, and answering some of your questions as well. So if you're looking forward to it for this season, make sure to give it a like, hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And we've only got three days until the deadline now, so make sure you sign up to Fantasy Football Hub. There is still 50% off if you sign up for one of their memberships and don't win your main league, you can get your your money back as well terms and conditions do apply all the links you need are in the description below and just to give you an idea of the stuff you get from that membership you got the my team tool so that lets you plan through suggest transfers all throughout the season opt to stats points projections fixture ticker player comparisons there's ben krellin's transfer planner there's whatsapp groups there's loads of stuff over there so make sure you check it out all the links you need whether on video or podcast are in the description below so let's start off with some of the new price reveals the first one is rasmus hoyland who's coming at seven million so man united's new number nine only cost seven million the same price as nicholas jackson at chelsea i thought he was going to come in at 7.5 so i definitely got that wrong and this is an enticing price but i don't think he's going to be an option for game week one so when he was unveiled at old trafford it came out on twitter from the journalists that he's going to miss the first few weeks now we will hear from ten Hag before the weekend in the press conference and he'll definitely get asked about him but it seems like he picked up a small issue with atalanta during pre-season and just doesn't have the match fitness so it's not necessarily that he's still injured he's just not uh, not ready to start so I think from an FPL point of view we're probably not going to be looking at him until game week five onwards because after the first four game weeks we have an international break so I would not completely forget about him before then but I'm not sure he's going to be much of an option for us when he does come back after the international break if he is fit got that match fitness up we could look at him and like I said that is an enticing price but I wouldn't be surprised if he's bedded in slowly into that Man United team. He's still very young, obviously hasn't had a huge amount of games at the top level, and Rashford can play up front. Sancho has played a lot centrally during preseason as well. If Martial can get fit at any point, he could also play through the middle. There's no question that at some point, Hoyland will be the number nine that plays the most regular minutes in that position. I'm just not sure at what point that will happen. Obviously, if in the first few game weeks he comes off the bench, looks great, gets a start in game week three, maybe then we start to think a little bit different. But I think for the first four game weeks, probably wouldn't worry about him for your FPL sides. We'll probably be looking at him after that. So next is another player that came in 0.5 million cheaper than I thought he would, and that is Vardy Ole of Man City, who's 5 million. So that's the same price of the likes of Ake and a Kanji and 0.5 million less than Stones and Diaz. It is also another player like Hoyland, which I don't think is going to be an option for game week one because we just can't guarantee a start. And I know people still say things like he was so much money, how is he going to be benched? But it's not even a Man City thing at this point. It's just a Premier League thing. Teams have so much money, they can afford to buy these players and bed them in slowly, especially Man City, who have got so many defenders to choose from. So if you look at that back line, in the community shield against Arsenal I think it was Walker right back then it was Stones Diaz and Akanji actually played on the left and we've seen Pep Guardiola do that many times he was probably there because of Saka we've seen Akanji deployed in similar uh, roles during the Champions League as well so even if Akanji went to right back and Walker was on the bench if Ake's fit for game week one he can also play on that left side and he did really well last season so I don't think there's anything to suggest that Vardy Old definitely starts the season we all know he's a 
quality player and at some point he could absolutely become first choice where he's starting kind of every six or seven games uh, out of eight and for five million for that man city defense that could be a bargain but i'm probably still going to avoid him for game week one unless a bunch of injuries crop up and then i might change my mind so we need to talk about harry kane because it's possible he's still at spurs next season and if he is we need to consider him for our fpl squads or do we i'll come back onto that in a minute David Ornstein tweeted yesterday and said Bayern Munich have seen latest offer for Harry Kane rejected by Tottenham after proposals in June and July turned down Bayern were 25 million pounds short of Spurs' valuation talks last week led to improved bid but that has now been knocked back too the rumours are they bid 85 million pounds Spurs want 100 million to let him go and now Bayern have kind of gone away to discuss it they may walk away from the deal completely we just don't know yet and it's an interesting one because at the start of the window i thought he was going to stay the last few weeks it looked quite likely he was going to go and now it's like a bit of a u-turn again i'm thinking maybe he stays if he does should we consider him for fpl i'm probably leaning more towards no and it's just that price point similar conversation as it is with salah is that worth it spending 12 and a half million if i'm not going to captain them especially when there's so many good value players between 6.5 and 9 million where you can spread that money around and again i go back to last season of course we all had harlan and kane or harlan and salah maybe even all three because players like martinelli rashford odegaard were all six to 6.5 those same players that we still want now including saka and bruno fernandez they're 8.5 to 9 so it's much harder to fit them in if you look at captaincy I think it's very similar conversation between Kane and Salah and how often you would actually go for them in the first six game weeks. So if you look at Kane's fixtures, game weeks one and two, you're probably not going to go there. Brentford away, Man United at home. They're not awful, but there's better options out there. Game weeks three to five are worth considering. You've got Bournemouth away, Burnley away, and Sheffield United at home. Game week five, Sheffield United at home. I would definitely look at Kane. If you compare that to Haaland... In the same weeks, he's got Sheffield United away, which is decent, Fulham at home, which is decent, and then game week five is West Ham away. Now, if I owned both Kane and Haaland for game week five, and I had West Ham away for Haaland, Sheffield United at home for Kane, who would I go for? I would like to think I would go for Kane, but is that one week in the first five enough to kind of restructure my squad? I would say probably not. And someone did ask me a question, which I'll just answer here. If I was going to go for one of Kane or Salah, who would I go for? probably Salah in isolation because I'd rather target that Bournemouth at home fixture in game week two versus Newcastle at home I think and also if you want some confirmation bias Man City have got their fixture in game week one then the Super Cup they're traveling for that and then they play Newcastle in game week two now Pep might fully rotate the squad Haaland might not even play if he does he could play you know 50 60 minutes and then come off I'm talking about in the Super Cup now and I'm sure he'll be fine for game week two. But if you wanted a little bit of a reason to go for Salah, other than the great fixture against Bournemouth, that could be it. But for me, it's probably still not enough. So in isolation, I prefer Salah because of the captaincy. When you start thinking about combinations, if you're going Salah and a 6.5 million forward or Kane and a 6.5 million midfielder, maybe Kane uh, wins out there, unless you think Jao Pedro is a great option. Now, to be fair, for 5.5 million, he's looking like he could be if he gets enough minutes, if he's first choice penalty taker. But if he becomes an issue... There's not a huge amount of forwards in that price bracket that you can go to. You could possibly downgrade elsewhere. And if you've got Jao Pedro and Salah, obviously you can just sell the two and go to like Watkins and Fernandes or something similar. So it's not the end of the world. But I'm still leaning towards just spreading that cash out from the start. 
and ignoring both other premiums. The other thing to say about Kane, this is a massive deal, right, for Bayern Munich. It's a lot of money. Even if it doesn't go through by game week one, unless Kane or Spurs come out and say, that's it now, Kane is staying for another season... I'd be a little bit worried that I might get to game week two and then he gets sold. And obviously it's easy, right? You just transfer him out. You try and spread that money around. But then you're using multiple transfers to redistribute the funds. And again, is that worth it for a player with Brentford away, Man United at home in the first two weeks that I'm not going to captain? So we can talk about Kane. He may well stay. Is he a good option in FPL? Absolutely. Loads of people will tell you he only scored nine points less than Harden. I think it is a cool stat. In the same way that from game week 2 to 38 last year, Kane actually outscored Haaland all those weeks. But it doesn't take into account that Haaland was rested towards the end. I think he missed for more games through injury. At the end of the day, points per match, I think Kane was like 6.9 and Haaland was 7.8. If they're both fit, we know Haaland's the better option. So all that stuff doesn't really worry me. He might stay. I'm sure Spurs fans are hoping he does. For FPL, I'd probably just avoid for now. So this is an interesting conversation. Which Arsenal midfielder is better? Martinelli at 8 million or Odegaard at 8.5? Now, most people who are watching and listening will just say you might as well take the 0.5 million saving. Martinelli also has higher goal threat. He's obviously the one to go for. And for the most part, I do agree, especially in the short term. But I think there is an interesting conversation to be had about minutes. And only in FPL can you say those words. There's an interesting conversation to be had about minutes. No one else would say that. But longer term, you would expect Odegaard to play more. We saw in the Community Shield against Man City, I think Martinelli came off around the 74th minute. Odegaard played right until the end of the game. Now, in other matches, Odegaard might come off earlier. It might be that Trossard plays as the eight, so he's not on the bench to come on for Martinelli, so he gets longer on the pitch. All those things can happen. But I think if you were betting money right now, which of these two players plays the most, it would be Odegaard. And this isn't the best way to work it out. But I had a look last season, took the difference in their minutes, divided it by 38, because that's the amount of games obviously teams play. And Odegaard on average played about 10 minutes more than Martinelli, which is quite a lot. It does add up over a long period of time. But in the short term, when Arsenal have got Forrest at home, Palace away, I think it's Fulham at home in game week three... Well, the games could get one early if they have Martinez probably involved and him coming off around the 78th minute probably doesn't make too much of a difference. That's why I say in the short term, I'm more than happy to go with Martinelli. And also to go for Odegaard, you have to be absolutely happy with the rest of your team and then still find 0.5 million spare. Like for my draft, my three Arsenal players, like lots of people, are Gabriel, Martinelli and Saka. I don't have 0.5 million that I really want to find to get Odegaard. So I'm more than happy to go with Martinelli, but I think if this was a play or, or a play that you were going to keep for eight, ten game weeks, I think there is a conversation to be had. It's worth spending that extra 0.5. And you can see that on the points projections on Fantasy Football Hub. Again, if you want to sign up, 50% off at the moment, links in the description below. Over the first eight game weeks for midfielders priced at 8.5 or below. So you can change the parameters that you're looking at. Fernandez is top, then it's Saka, then it's Odegaard, 41.9 points over eight game weeks, and Martinelli is 38.9. So there's not a huge amount of difference, and you could argue that's not worth 0.5, but if you've got 8.5 to spend over a longer period, Odegaard might be the player to pick. Even if you go shorter, like the first four game weeks, you can easily change that. Odegaard is still right up there. 21.4 points over the first four game weeks. Martinelli 19.9. So it might be that 0.5 goes so far for you that you're just better off starting with Martinelli. And that's probably what I would do. 
But like I said, there is a conversation to be had that maybe over a longer period, Odegaard's the better pick. But for what it's worth, everyone's going to go Martinelli. So which £8 million player is better? Is it Ollie Watkins, who's listed as a forward? Or is it Trent Alexander-Arnold, the most expensive defender in the game? And I actually spoke a little bit about this on yesterday's video with Ali, the reigning FPL champion. Make sure to check that out if you haven't already. And I mentioned that Trent was in a lot of teams early on, including my own, and he's slowly been coming out of those squads as we get closer to game week one. What is the reason for that? I think it's a combination factor. I've talked about this quite a lot. If you've got 13 and a half million to spend on two players and one is 8 million, then you've got five and a half to spend on the other one. Now, in defense, there's lots of options. Ruben Diaz, John Stones, Luke Shaw, Ben Chilwell, Reese James. As long as you're happy with most of them, they could be excellent value. Whereas if you go for Trent and then have to spend 5.5 on a midfielder, it's the likes of Dan Juma, might not even be fit for game week one, Andreas Pereira, maybe Sarabia for Wolves at 5 million. When I say those names, people aren't probably getting excited. Up front, to be fair, we may now have an option in Jao Pedro. Should be first choice penalty taker for Brighton. Minutes probably good early on, although if they buy Kudus, that's just another player to add to the mix. But outside of that, unless you want to go for Morris from Luton, or you want to spend six million on Wissa, or you know, six point five on Solanke or someone like that, the options in attack for that kind of price point are a lot less than they are in defence. So if it's Watkins and Chilwell, which is a very popular combination, or Trent and Jao Pedro, that suddenly gets very close. And I think the more secure combination of the two is probably Watkins or Chilwell. But if Jao Pedro gets enough minutes, then that could be quite close. If we look at the the fixtures for the two players, so um, Watkins and Trent. So let me just pull up, yeah, Trent here. Opening one, probably not great, Chelsea away. Although Nkunku's probably going to be missing for that game. That's obviously not going to help Chelsea. Bournemouth at home in game week two, very good. Then it's Newcastle away, Villa at home, Wolves away, West Ham at home. I'm saying that four of the first six are pretty good. The two that you would probably say is going to be difficult for a clean sheet are Chelsea and Newcastle. Obviously, a lot depends on how Liverpool defend this year. A few new midfielders, Soboslai and McAllister look almost certain to start. They don't really have a natural six at the moment. They still haven't got the Lavia signing over the line. So maybe there's a bit of concern about their defence. But there's still enough good fixtures there. With Watkins, I would say that he's got probably three bad fixtures in the first six. So one more bad fixture than Trent. So he's also got Newcastle away. That's in game week one. Liverpool away game week four. Although I've just mentioned their defence. If you think it's not going to be great, it's probably not a bad fixture for Watkins. And then Chelsea away in game week six. Again, another team that has to improve a lot over last year. So I think it's quite close. But I, I am just someone that is quite concerns the wrong words but I do do look at minutes quite a lot and I think Jao Pedro I get it Luton at home fantastic opening day fixture Wolves away not bad West Ham at home not bad Newcastle at home Man United away bit tougher but by that point is Kudasin is he playing you know in that number 10 role is Nciso getting minutes if Jao Pedro does start at what point does he come off? Is it 50, 60, 70, 80? We just don't know. So I feel like there's a few more unknowns with the Jao Pedro and Trent combination than there is with Watkins. I think in terms of both players in isolation, I guess for Trent, there's a few more players to drop down to. Trippier when the fixtures get better for Newcastle, all those five and a half million players I just said. Whereas with Watkins right now, and Kunku's injured for seven and a half, Nicholas Jackson, possibly when the fixtures turn. Hoyland, I've already talked about, probably not going to be an option. 
And then after that, there's just not a huge amount of players at all. So I guess with the Jesus and Nkunku injury, there's not as many players to go to from Watkins. So it really depends how you want to set your squad up. For what it's worth, I'm probably going to go without Trent. Am I happy about that? No, of course not. So goalkeeper question next up. Could we go for Kepa instead of Anana? He has great fixtures game weeks 2 to 8. And Sanchez probably not an immediate minutes threat. Now on that last point, I do agree but obviously, it depends what we mean by immediate. Do I think that Kepa's going to lose his place in the first four game weeks? Maybe not. But between now and game week five, which is after the international break, it's six to seven weeks away. In that amount of time, could Pochettino have seen enough and switch goalkeepers? It could definitely happen. One of the reasons that Sanchez has been brought in is probably because he's a little bit better with his feet. It's not really a strong point of Kepa. So I think there's a good chance he does lose his place. And I just wonder whether the fixtures and Chelsea defence in general are so good that you potentially then have to pre-book a transfer for when he does lose his place. And look, there's no harm at some points during the season using transfers on goalkeepers. It can gain you extra points. But I'm telling you now, from experience, if you've got a choice between an outfield transfer and a goalkeeper one, you'll almost always take the outfield one because goalkeeper transfers just always feel boring. And I also checked the fixture ticker on Fantasy Football Hub. Again, one of the benefits of signing up to be a member. And I looked at, you can order it basically by overall fixtures, attack defense and clean sheets so i looked for the first eight game weeks and chelsea are slightly higher in terms of predicted clean sheets over man united but we're talking about 2.5 versus 2.4 so is that good enough to potentially have to make a transfer whereas you know anana is going to play i would say probably not if kepper was injured and we knew Sanchez was going to be the number one keeper before game week one. I'd almost certainly choose him because he's only 4.5 in FPL. Chances are we're not going to know that. So I would probably just stick with Anana. And also, going back to that not wanting to make transfers, you can obviously look at a larger kind of game week range for goalkeepers because you're not going to want to move them on that often. So if you kind of put it to 12 game weeks, then Man United is suddenly at 3.7 clean sheets. At least that's... Um, that's what the prediction is here. And Chelsea is 3.4. So again, it's very close. But Man United go on to be a little bit better when you make the game week range larger. So I just can't see any reason really to go Kepper instead of Anana. I just don't think there's enough benefit. And also, if you're spending 5 on the goalkeeper and 5.5 on the defender, I think Anana and Chilwell is probably just better overall than Kepper and Luke Shaw. Not that Luke Shaw's a bad option, but you've got all those downsides to go in Kepper instead. I mean, just on goalkeepers while we're here, if you look again at those clean sheet predictions over the first 12 weeks, obviously Man City, you've got Edison, 5.5, bit more expensive. Aston Villa, interestingly, Martinez is the same price as Kepper and Anana. But the, one, the, the kind of three that st uh, stick out for me are Brighton, Palace and Brentford are all very close to Man United and Chelsea. And obviously you've got Fleck and Johnson and Steele that are 0.5 million cheaper. So if you've been watching me on videos recently, I am wobbling a bit on the Anana pick. I still think he's really good for 5 million. I like the fact that I can target the Man United defence for 0.5 less than Shaw. But for another 0.5 saving, arguably I get a goalkeeper from a team that might well keep 
a similar amount of clean sheets over a quite a large game week range. So that's something to think about. But on Kepa versus Anana, I would just go for Anana. It seems like the obvious move to make. But if Sanchez is number one, that gets interesting. If you've enjoyed that video, make sure to give it a like. Hit that subscribe button. Support the channel. I'm nearly at 350k. Would love to get there before game week one. This series will go right throughout the season. Otherwise, I will catch you either later today or tomorrow for another video. Sports Social Podcast Network.